Hello, everyone, and welcome to the show. My name is Sophie Collins, and I am a mother and entrepreneur, and I am obsessed with feeling my best. This show is going to cover everything from work to wellness to motherhood and what it looks like to encompass all of those things into your life. I hope you enjoy. Welcome to the show. I am so excited today to be talking to you about one of my favorite topics and a topic that has a lot of opinions and a lot of connotations around it. So I'm really excited to dive into something that is so, so important to me and really is the pillar of my life, and that is motherhood. When I thought about what I wanted this podcast to touch on, I really wanted to bring in three different areas of my life that have been the biggest, most life-changing, impactful things that I have worked on and ways in which I feel I have something to say and something to share. And the other reason behind the three pillars of work, wellness, and motherhood is because that's what I get to talk to you all about in my DMs and through email. And these are really the three topics that I spend the most time talking about with my family and friends. So I'm excited to dive a little bit deeper into motherhood specifically today. So to jump right in, I'll tell you my story, how I knew I wanted to become a mom, what the journey has been like for me. And then I asked all of you on Instagram, what questions you wanted answered There were so many good questions that came in, and I don't think I'll be able to cover them all today. So either I'll do a part two or I'll try to incorporate some of the questions into future guest episodes or future solo episodes that I do because there's some really incredible topics that I want to touch on. So to start with my motherhood journey, I always knew that I wanted to be a mom. I had this vision of having four kids at a super young age and just diving right into motherhood. And usually what you think about your life when you're a teenager doesn't end up happening exactly the way you planned it. And it's probably for the best for me, but I ended up getting pregnant with my first child, Liam, when I was 27. And I got to a point, I, a lot of people ask me, how do you know when you're ready? And I don't think you do. I just think you know when you reach the point of not being scared that it might happen. It's so interesting because we spend time in our 20s trying not to get pregnant, and then we spend time in our 30s trying to get pregnant. And so I think there is this point for every person and this shift where you go from becoming a mom seems so scary and not something that I can handle in my life to okay, maybe that wouldn't be the scariest thing in the world. And maybe I would be excited by it. And I know people have totally different experiences, but I would say the most common thing I've heard from my friends and family is that you reach a point where you say, okay, that wouldn't be the scariest thing ever. And I think I might be ready to handle it. But at the end of the day, you really cannot be prepared for what motherhood is going to bring you. I think you can ask your friends for advice and you can obviously spend time thinking about it yourself and with your partner, but motherhood is such a roller coaster. And I just don't think you can be truly prepared until you actually do it. And you learn day by day. And five years later, I'm still learning. When 
we started trying to get pregnant, I was really nervous that it would be hard because I had witnessed people in my life who had had a struggle getting pregnant. And so I was a little bit worried that that would be the same for me. So I kind of went into it thinking, okay, if it takes me a year or two to get pregnant, I'll be happy that I started trying. And luckily for us, we got pregnant with Liam right away. And to be honest, it was a very, very easy and relaxed pregnancy. I am so lucky that I had that experience and especially had that experience first, because I think if you have a really challenging first pregnancy, it's really hard to think about doing it again. So I was very lucky in that regard. And then Liam came into the world and I found the postpartum period very challenging. I was pretty lonely as a new mom, even though I had such an incredible support system and so many amazing mom friends that I'll touch on how I made those mom friends because that was a big question. But I just found the days really long. I was drinking way too much coffee. I wasn't sleeping. I developed postpartum insomnia and I had a lot of anxiety. And I think that was a lot to do with how I was treating my body. I was so determined to get back into shape and I was so determined to be the superwoman and super mom and do all the things that I did before I had a baby. I was determined to not let my life change. And I was, I kept saying, I'm going to be the same person that I was before and baby doesn't need to change who I am. And so putting that pressure on myself really had an impact on my mental and physical health. And looking back, I'm really sad about that time because I think that there's so much beauty in the rawness and the struggle of becoming a new mom and not allowing yourself to be in that phase, I think can be really detrimental. And I'll touch on how I altered that for my second child for Charlie, but I definitely would say to any new moms out there, it is okay to take a step back from your normal life for a little while if you're granted that luxury and opportunity and really enjoy or try to be present in that moment of life that you're having because you really do only get it once. And I look back at that first year with Liam and I want to tell myself, you don't have to be the same person you were before. It's actually a really beautiful thing that when you birth your child, you're also birthing a new version of yourself. And I think as women, you create new versions of yourself all the time. I think that has so much to do with how women age from a wisdom perspective. And then also our hormones are changing constantly. As you know, you all know who are listening, women have a approximate 28 day hormone cycle, whereas men have a 24 hour hormone cycle. So we go through a lot of hormonal changes. And I think just really tuning into what that feels like for you is going to allow you to really be present in those moments and experience them. And they may not always be super positive and happy, but that really is, you know, part of the human experience is to be able to understand those lows and really relish in those highs. So that would be my advice to myself. I'll touch on this as well while we're on this topic is the topic of breastfeeding. I definitely pictured myself, much like I pictured myself as a young mom with four kids before the age of 25, I pictured myself being one of those women who was wearing like a light white gauzy dress and roaming through the fields, just feeding my children and braiding their hair and 
putting flowers in it and really just having this wholesome, holistic experience with feeding my child, the reality of my breastfeeding situation could not have been further from that. I, in the hospital, I lost a ton of blood. And so for the first few days of Liam's life, I was kind of in and out and always not feeling good. I could hardly walk. I was so weak. And so we really didn't get off to a great start when it came to breastfeeding. And then coming home, I really had a tough time. I didn't really know what I was doing. I had a couple of lactation consultants come in. I didn't know what I was doing. He wasn't latching properly. The pain that I was experiencing was so severe. It was more painful than labor to me to breastfeed my child. And so 12 times a day or however many times you breastfeed as a newborn, I would cry. I would sit there in my rocking chair in Liam's beautiful little nursery and I would absolutely dread it and I would cry and I would bleed. And it wasn't until I started talking about this to some other mom friends, which by the way, anyone you know who is a mom, text them when you have a newborn. Text them or call them or send them voice notes because new moms need that support. If you don't have a sister or a mom who can kind of give you that support, it's super important to find those people. So whether it's like DMing someone on Instagram, you may not even know them. I know that other moms just want to help each other. So I would text my mom friends and I would say, this is so painful. I don't understand. And then I finally found out about this cream and it was a steroid cream. And as someone who leans more holistic when it comes to medicine and natural remedies, I was pretty hesitant, but I thought I would try it. So after seeing multiple lactation consultants, pumping around the clock, bottle feeding, introducing a little bit of formula, being so paranoid to do that because as we all know, and as we all hear consistently, breast is best and that's how your baby gets immunity and that's how your baby is smart and all of those things that we put pressure on ourselves as moms. Those things really got to me. So finally I said, okay, I'll try this cream And if that works, then I'll continue this breastfeeding journey. And that helped a little bit. But essentially for the first six months of Liam's life, I was triple feeding. So I would try and breastfeed a little bit. It would hurt. I would stop. I would pump. Then I would feed him that bottle. But then usually there wasn't enough. So then I would make him a formula bottle. I would feel guilty about it. And looking back, I just wish I could stand in the kitchen. I'm like going to get emotional because... It was such a hard time and I wish I could like stand in the kitchen and tell myself, it is okay. You don't have to do this and you really don't. There are so many options for feeding your baby and I tried to listen to my friends who told me happy baby is coming from a happy mom and it is only when you really accept that and understand that to be true, that you start to prioritize yourself. So that was the really one of the beginnings of really me understanding self-prioritization before your baby. Typical, you know, you hear this all the time, put your own oxygen mask on before you put your child's on. And it's a really, really hard concept to wrap your head around when you're a new mom, but it's so important because it is going to be the key difference between having a good experience and looking back and feeling sad and feeling anxious. I don't want to touch a ton on diagnoses around 
postpartum anxiety and depression because obviously I'm not a doctor. And while I feel like I had bits of it and experienced it in my own way, I want to bring on an expert to talk about those topics because I think they're so important to give true justice to. So I'm going to leave those questions for now. But as I said, I did develop postpartum insomnia and I still battle with insomnia to this day. It's so much better now, but it took me a long time to really regulate my nervous system and get to the point where falling asleep was okay. And part of that was not having four cups of coffee a day, which obviously doesn't serve you. So I can definitely do a whole episode on my journey with insomnia. I think that that would be a whole episode in itself, but That was what my experience was with Liam, my first child. And then when I decided that I wanted to have a second, it was a couple of years after I had Liam. As I said, I didn't have the best experience postpartum, but I knew that I wanted my child to have a sibling. And that was because I'm an only child. And to be honest, I think there are a lot of challenges that come with being an only child. So I didn't want my children to experience that. Obviously, I'm super grateful for my upbringing and everything it taught me. And it was challenging for my parents to get pregnant. So it wouldn't have necessarily been an option for me to have a sibling. But I knew that I would try to give my child a sibling. And it took me longer than I expected. I definitely thought, okay, after a year, we'll start trying and you know, our kids will be a couple years apart. But I was so not ready after a year. I was just getting back to work because luckily in Canada, we're really fortunate to have a significant amount of time off of work. That's a whole other topic. But I, I, around two, Liam was two, I decided, okay, you know, let's give this another go. And like many people and many women, I experienced a miscarriage between Liam and Charlie. And that was a whole experience in itself. I was obviously very sad when it happened. It was quite early on. And I remember sitting on the couch and crying and Liam coming up to me and saying, it's okay, mom. And it was one of the first times that he had shown empathy. And so that was such a beautiful experience for me. But having that miscarriage really taught me a lot. The first thing that it taught me is when you go through a miscarriage, you have a ton of hormonal changes. And I think that's not something that's talked about enough. I think people say, oh, I had a miscarriage and you kind of, you know, graze over it and it doesn't really give the experience the attention it deserves. And I just remember I was in the middle of a miscarriage, but I was sitting on Zoom calls and just living my normal life. And I said, this is not how it should be. There should be rest and processing and recuperation. But alas, that's the world we live in, or that's the way we choose to process things. And the other thing that I learned is you really have to be your own advocate. And this is something I've learned many times throughout my experience with health and mental health. And I am lucky enough to have a naturopath. Shout out to Dr. Bobby Parmamar at Mint Integrative, who will be coming on the podcast. I'm so excited to share him with all of you. And I went to him and I said, what can I do? How can I understand this experience and physically and physiologically prepare my body for pregnancy. And he said, well, in BC, you have to have three miscarriages to get any testing. So I said, okay, that sounds crazy. Why would I put myself through this two more times just to see what's wrong? So again, luckily enough, I was able to pay for some testing and I found out that my progesterone levels were way too low to carry a child. And 
if and when I got pregnant again, I would need to go on progesterone immediately in order to keep the pregnancy. So I learned that if I hadn't learned that, I probably most definitely would have had two more miscarriages. And then I would have found that out. So luckily I didn't do that. And we got pregnant with Charlie. And I think that I should do an episode on Charlie all on its own because that was a whole experience in itself. But as I've alluded to in previous episodes, Charlie had a heart defect and required heart surgery when he was born. Definitely the most traumatic experience of my life and something that I'm still processing and dealing with today, two years later. And it was a totally different experience. But I would say the main thing that I wanted to touch on when it comes to Charlie on this particular episode on motherhood was the help and support that I put in place for myself in that postpartum period. One, because I knew I would be in survival mode. My child would be having heart surgery at four days old. I was going to be recovering from a C-section because I needed to have a planned C-section. And I asked for help. I didn't ask for help with my first child. My husband is incredible for those who know him, but I didn't specifically say this is what I need and this is how I need to be supported. And so luckily we had already had a nanny for Liam. So I was able to have a little bit of extra help around the house. And I said to my husband, I needed to try and sleep every single day. So every single day from 12 to one, that was my time to try and nap. I absolutely despise sleeping during the day, but I knew that if I wanted my mental health to be where I needed it to be, and if I wanted to make sure I didn't get tripped up with insomnia again, that I needed to prioritize sleep. So I did that. I didn't do anything for six to 12 weeks after my birth because again, I knew I would be in a space where I was really processing and healing, not only physically, but also emotionally. And all of those things, despite what we went through with Charlie's heart surgery and procedures was a much more relaxed experience than I had had with Liam, which is just such an interesting thing. If you really take a second to think about it, you know, your baby comes out of your body and has to go to procedure within 10 minutes. And then four days later, it gets open heart surgery and you're in the hospital for two weeks away from your older child. So all of those things you would think, oh my gosh, that must be a way worse postpartum experience. But because I was able to ask for help, prioritize my rest, take time off, all of those things added up to me being able to have a much more relaxed and enjoyable experience. The other thing I would say is that I meditated every single day during Charlie's pregnancy. I also was a lot kinder to myself postpartum. I didn't force myself to get back to normal physically or with friends and events and getting out there. I really just prioritized this little bubble that I needed to be in, in order to heal. So I want to get to a few of these questions because there's so many good ones. And the first one that I want to address is mom guilt. There are a lot of questions about mom guilt. And to be honest, it's not really something that I resonated with when I had one child. I just thought, you know, I spent a year with him. Now I'm doing my own thing. I'm supporting my family. I'm supporting my own goals. But I definitely have found that I experience more of it now having two kids. I think as a mom, we are biologically predispositioned to think that we should be the ones taking care of them and doing everything for them. And so I deal with that on a daily basis. I would say the minute my nanny leaves for school with them, 
I have this thought that says, well, I should be doing that. Or if I see moms with their kids walking through the park and I'm on a park walk by myself or on a work call, I think to myself, you know, I'm already in this park. Why am I not here with my children? So I definitely deal with that. I think like many things with motherhood, you kind of just get used to it. And I hate to say that, but these things don't go away. And I think as you get older, you realize that you just have to learn to live with all of these emotions and feelings. And you're going to feel that pang of mom guilt when you leave for a work trip or go out with your friends or prioritize yourself because that's only natural. But if you can come back to remembering, and I always try and say this, what makes you feel your best, you may say, okay, I have to go on this work trip because I really want this promotion. I'm working towards this for my own personal financial freedom and stability, and I really want it. And it makes me super happy. And as we said before, a happy mom is a happy baby. So I think prioritizing your happiness, your goals, your ambitions, your joy, all of those things trickle down to being a good mom. And of course, there's going to be times where you have to go on a work trip. You don't want to go. Yes, of course, you're still ambitious and you still want to have your career, but it is killing you to leave your child. And I think in those moments, you really just need to think about what are the tools that support you. So is that a walk around the block? Is that a meditation? Is that connecting with your partner and having a glass of wine and saying, hey, I'm really feeling this and I don't know how to deal with it. I think just getting it out there, journaling, all of the self-care tactics that we talk about all the time, I think can serve you when it comes to having anxiety and mom guilt. Another topic that was asked a lot was, what do I find hard about motherhood? And I've touched on this a little bit, but personally, I find motherhood way harder than I expected. (laughs) I kind of expected, like I said, with my breastfeeding journey, I would just be this laissez-faire, French-inspired mom who cooked their kids salmon and wore these beautiful outfits and took them to the park and had all of this attention on them. And my experience could not be further from that. I feel like I'm living in a constant state of chaos and emotional turmoil and physical exhaustion. Liam is definitely more on the emotional side and Charlie is so physical. And without getting into specifics around challenges I have faced with my children, because I just think That's not necessarily something that I want to share right now, but it is so much harder than I expected. And every single mom that I talk to is like, why is this so hard? I just don't understand why I find this so hard. And then the kids go to bed and you want to look at photos of them. You're like a crazy, it just, it's crazy. So I find it all really hard. I find it hard to solo parent. I find it hard to get through dinner time and bedtime. I find keeping up with them physically hard. Like Charlie will literally run down the street and not stop. I find keeping up with the consistent emotions hard. So Charlie's two, Liam's almost five. Both of them still have tantrums. So I find all of it hard if I'm being completely honest. But I think going back to what I said before about dealing with guilt when you're away from your kids or you know prioritizing yourself, it's kind of just what you have to live with. If you find things hard, I think that not all life is going to be easy. And the more you can lean into what you're feeling now and being present, 
the better it's going to be when it comes to your experience. And I heard this the other day, but if you think about the things you've been through in life, most definitely going through hard experiences makes you stronger and builds you into the person that you are. So what I try to do when I'm faced with a tough situation with the kids is A, not be around my phone, B, really try and listen to what they're telling me and look them in the eyes and get down on their level and hold them. And then C, just know that this too shall pass. And one day you are going to wish you could come back to this moment. I saw this, I'm sure you've all seen it thing on TikTok that said, when you're having a moment with your kids and you want to scream, just close your eyes and pretend you're 80 years old and think about how much you would want to come back to this moment. So I've been trying that lately and that really helps. Next up, we have transitioning from one to two. And like I found motherhood generally challenging, I found zero to one really hard. I found one to two really hard. Zero to one, your mind is blown because you have never done this before. You've, I mean, I had, I don't think I'd ever changed a diaper before I changed Liam's diaper, maybe a couple, but really not that many. And then one to two, all of a sudden you need to be in two bodies. You have a baby that needs you to feed it. And if you're breastfeeding, that's with your own body. And then you have a toddler who, or an older child who constantly needs your attention. So it's just really constant. I would say the breaks you feel like you got with one child kind of dissipate with two. And then I've heard with three, it's just, you know, absolute chaos. So the part of this question was wondering if you'll ever love a second as much as your first. I didn't think about that really. I, I just think your heart expands as your family expands and you know, the love you have for your partner, you think about that. you think, how could I ever love a child this much? Or, you know, the love you have for your dog, how could I ever love a child this much? I've heard people say that. And then you have your child and it just, your heart expands. And then you have your second and your heart expands. There's always room, I think, for your heart expanding to bring in another child into the world. And Again, I would say my advice for going from one to two is ask for help, whether that be a little class you can drop your older child off to or your partner or a babysitter, an aunt, an uncle, a friend, just ask for help because boy, are you going to need it. But at the end of the day, it is so fun and so rewarding. I would say it took us a couple of years, to be honest, to get to the fun and rewarding stage, but we're here now and (laughs) for the most part, they still fight like cats and dogs, but we're here now and it is so worth it. So if you're thinking about it, I definitely think watching your kids grow up and have siblings is just so, so special. I really love this question, which was how do you relax and recharge during the thick of it and while at home, AKA not on a vacation? So first of all, I don't feel like traveling with kids is a vacation. I feel like it's a trip. And unless you have help on that trip, you are on a trip. And it's actually sometimes harder than being home and being in your routine. But I totally understand where this question is going. And for me, I really try not to make plans during the week. I find that if I have, you know, two plans at night during the week, I'm totally drained. I really find that after bedtime, I need to take that time to really relax and recharge. So for me, what that looks like other than my morning routine, which I touched on, I think in episode one is when the kids go down, it's quiet time in the house. 
watch a good show with my husband. I'm really loving Silo on Apple TV right now. It's like a dystopian, futuristic kind of sci-fi, but still a really nice storyline. I actually love dystopian shows, loved Hunger Games, but I digress. I love to watch a show with my husband, have a little dark chocolate, and then I get to bed super early. And then on the weekends, I think I shared this on an Instagram story, but what I try to do is do something active during Charlie's nap. So I'll either work out, do a Melissa Wood flow or one of my own Pilates flows. And then I will almost always have a cold shower because I find that really resets me for the afternoon. The other thing I've been doing during nap is having like a matcha or green tea because personally I find the afternoon so much harder (laughs) and I am such a morning person. So the afternoon kind of drags on a little bit for me, but I found having something to energize me through those afternoon hours to be super helpful. And I used to, you know, relax and watch Netflix during naps on the weekend, but I just found I was so much groggier in the afternoon. So I try to do things that elevate my energy. The next question is, what's your favorite way of connecting with your boys? And my favorite way of connecting with my boys is going outside. I love taking them to the park, going to the library, just going out for a walk. Liam was in such a great phase last year where he always wanted to go out for a bike ride or a scooter. So that's my favorite way of connecting with them. And honestly, is my favorite way of connecting with anyone Most of you know by now that I'm obsessed with walking. And if I can walk with a friend, I just find I'm so energized and happy. And I just love the vitamin D and the fresh air. And that's absolutely my favorite way to connect with them. Okay, I'm going to do the next few just rapid fire. And we'll leave kind of the bigger topics for when I bring an expert on to talk about mental health. So the next one is tips for staying healthy during pregnancy, especially when dealing with nausea. I dealt with nausea immensely during Charlie's pregnancy. I was nauseous basically for the first 20 weeks and then the next 20 weeks was dealing with his heart. (laughs) So I did not feel good at all. I found that staying healthy was easier for me in the morning. So I didn't really get nauseous until about 7 a.m. So I'd still wake up at five. I would try and get in a little meditation, a little flow, yoga or Pilates or a little walk. And then around seven, I started to get nauseous. Typical tips, carbs, healthy carbs and you can so your blood sugar is not spiking. So think about like sweet potatoes, grains that aren't necessarily pastas like rices are helpful. And then I would often go through a Rolodex of food in my head to think about what wasn't disgusting. And that was a lot of pho soup. It was A&W lettuce wrap burgers. I always try and think about, okay, what do I want and how can I make that a bit healthier? So if I want fast food, it was A&W lettuce wrap burgers with bacon and yam fries on the side instead of having regular fries or a bun. So those are just little tips that I took. But I think when you're pregnant, you have to do what you have to do. I think the other thing is when you're super nauseous, talk to your doctor because there are options. I did not take them. Wish I did. If I ever have a third and I'm that nauseous, I 100% will. The next one is about our nanny schedule and our nanny works Monday to Friday, eight to five. And then sometimes she'll work a few hours on the weekend, depending on what our day is like. If we go to Whistler, I would say she comes with us about 50% of the time and hopefully she'll travel with us in the future on all of our trips. That's my plan because she really is a part of the family. And then does she prep food or prepare their meals for the day? 
that's a no right now. She just simply doesn't have time. There is so much to do with the kids. So it's kind of a mixture of healthy snacks and then food that I'll prep for them, just leftovers that I'll pop in a little box for them to take like a little bento box. And then she'll also buy food for them as needed. The next question is around balancing time with kids work, my husband and time for myself. I think I touched on this in the last episode, but I will say that my focus right now is my family. So I would say 90% of my time off of work is spent with my family. And then I'll try and see a good friend every week. And that doesn't always happen, but I really do try. And time for myself, it's my morning routine. That is my sacred, sacred time, 5 to 6 a.m. for sure. Sometimes I get a little bit longer, but that is my time for myself. And then evenings again that's that's usually my husband we definitely i think like most parents could do a better job of spending time together and prioritizing and carving that out but it's a phase and i think you know we'll have time in the future to do those things we try to do date nights but it doesn't always happen and that's okay we're very in it right now we have young kids and that's the focus and it's a moment in time that i know we'll miss one day making mom friends is the next question and I was really lucky that I got to do a music class with a bunch of other moms and I made such good mom friends from that. And then a couple of other mom friends that I've made that I have stuck with actually are through Instagram. It's so random. There's a couple gals that I became really close with and one of which I knew it was friends of a friend. So it wasn't that random, but we kind of damned on Instagram. We had boys exactly around the same time and became lifelong friends. So I would say, don't be scared to reach out to people, whether it be someone you see at the park, or hopefully you can do some sort of class where you meet another mom friend or ask friends to introduce you to other moms. I definitely think as a first time mom, this is so important. When you have your second baby, you just don't seem to have as much time. So it becomes less of a focus in your life, but definitely with your first baby, mom friends are so crucial. The last one I'll leave you with is what is the best gift for a new mom or a mom that's expecting? I would 100% unequivocally say our waffle knit robe from One Wednesday. It is the most purchased product on our website for moms. And I know this because I'll get emails saying, Hey, my baby's due in two weeks. Will this arrive in time? Or I got this for my wife because she saw it on Instagram and she wants it for the baby, for the hospital bag. And new moms absolutely love this robe. They live in it. And I would highly recommend doing that. It will not disappoint you. You can also get a cute little baby bundle too. I think that's a gift. I feel like there are under the radar baby gift. I think that we need to promote them more because they're the cutest little waffle knit towels that match the robe. So I would maybe do a waffle knit robe with a matching baby bundle. That's all for today. Thank you so much for listening. And I hope this episode was helpful. I would love to do more motherhood episodes if you all want to hear it. So let me know. Thank you so much for listening today. You can find me on Instagram at Sophie C. Collins or on my website at sophiecollins.com. And you can find my brand One Wednesday at one underscore Wednesday underscore shop on Instagram or onewednesdayshop.com. If you liked today's episode, please share it with a friend. And if you have time, leave a rating and review. I hope you have an amazing day. 
thanks to Podfather Creative for editing and production.